if you came in with the long hallway, you saw there's some painting going on, so we just ask you to pardon our appearances until we get things up and running, but we're going to be a whole new paint job in here and in the different rooms, so it should uh, freshen up, so it'd be nice. Also, we just need some uh, guys to stay for a few minutes after the service. We're just going to move those pews that are in the back wall there forward so they can paint the whole wall. So if you can hang out for a few, we would appreciate it. Okay, one of my favorite verses, two verses we're going to look at. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read those first, and then we'll go back and uh, pick it apart a little bit. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Some mentors has always said, have some life verses, verses that you can identify with in the scriptures. And these are definitely two verses that have been some life verses for me going back maybe 10, 15 years ago. And when we look at this, if you've been with us or with me over the past 11 chapters of Romans, there's some heavy stuff that we came into in Romans. When we first opened up the uh, first few chapters, we were confronted with God's fearsome wrath and our terrible condition that we were in. And then in chapters 3 through 5, we learned that salvation came by grace alone. Nothing that we could do to achieve it. It was totally our faith in Jesus Christ. And that's it. Nothing else. And then in verses 6 through, our, I'm sorry, chapters 6 through 8, we encountered God's faithfulness. We saw that even though we are um, without faith sometimes or, you know, we have bad days or bad months or bad years. God doesn't give up on us. He's faithful. And then in verses 9, I keep saying verses, chapters 9 through 11, we saw God's sovereign ways, that He calls us, that He's chosen us. Even though we look through our own eyes at ourselves and we say, why did you choose me? Why did He choose you? And it's because of his grace and mercy. He just called you, and you're responding to his call. Chapter 12, I. Paul. Think of all the great characters God has given us in the scriptures to identify. Men and women, teenagers, even the young king, Josiah. Just think of those people that we can identify some of our personalities with. And here's a man who has written one of the greatest doctrinal books in the whole Bible, probably the best doctrinal book in the whole Bible, in the book of Romans. And here he's saying, I, who do we listen to? Who are the people or what are, where do we place our trust? Hopefully it's in the Lord and in his word. But here is Paul Call into himself as he writes this letter. I, I beseech you. I urge you. 
I beg you. I encourage you. I want to come alongside you and work with you and show you things that the Lord has shown me. And what credentials Paul had. Pharisee of the Pharisees. Knew the laws of God inside out. Persecuted people that followed this guy, Jesus. He thought it was a cult. And then he had an encounter with Jesus. God shed his grace on Paul like he has on you and me. How many of us would like to be like a Paul? Think of this guy, the persecutions he went through for the Lord. Think of the places he traveled to get God's word out. What are we willing to go through to live for the Lord? What an encounter that must have been that changed his whole life upside down. I believe that God wants that kind of experience with you and me. I think it really comes down to our will. How much do we want the Lord to influence our lives? And notice it's a personal call. I beseech you. Paul's not just talking in general statements to the Roman people. He's saying, I beseech you, and I beseech you and you. It's an individual call. Jesus calls us individually. And Wednesdays, Sundays, different types of outings or trips, we get to come together as a family. We get to come together as the body of Christ. You know, you go to a concert and you see 15,000 Christians praising the Lord and just sight to hear the things of God. We have to remember that they're out there, but they're individuals who made a decision for the Lord. And then... That word, therefore. Remember, when you see the word, therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. And therefore is like a hinge. It's a hinge. And it it points you back to everything that came before. And in this particular case, everything that came before this, therefore, are the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans where Paul lays out our belief system, our doctrine, what we put, we put our faith in Jesus, but what Jesus has laid out for us as a way that we came to know him. And the next few chapters, as we close in the last four chapters, are practical ways to take everything he's done for us. Now that we know our state, sinners all, Now that we know what Jesus did for us when he went to the cross, the sacrifice that he made, and as a result of that, how do we live a practical way those things that God wants us to do? Well, that's the next four chapters. 12 through 16 are the practical ways that you you and I can live out the Christian life. Brethren, brothers, Sisters, we can only call each other brothers or sisters because of one thing and one person, Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross. Because he died on the cross for you and me, he bought us with a, the blood of Christ. 
the precious blood of Christ he shed for you and me because of his death on the cross and our acceptance of that by faith, we're brothers and sisters in the family of God. So here Paul is urging, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, mercy, not getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. You and I deserve eternal punishment because we're sinners. We know we've sinned and fallen short of God's glory. God has shown us through the first 11 chapters using Paul that it's only by his mercy that he has rescued us from an eternal damnation where we needed to pay for our sins eternally. But we don't have to. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Because of a sacrifice of God himself, we get to live for Jesus every day. A lot of pagan religions, you have to sacrifice something in order to obtain mercy. Christianity, God sacrificed himself, and as a result, we can choose out of love to sacrifice our lives for him. Big difference in the two. Notice it's God's mercy. It's not man's mercy. It comes from God himself. He initiated it. It was a vertical move on God's part to reach down to man. Remember, religion is man, men and women trying to reach God, trying to do something that's going to get his attention. That's religion. It's man's attempt to connect with God. Can't be done. It's impossible. But God, in his love, sent his son Jesus down. He came down to touch our lives. And as a result of indwelling us with his Holy Spirit, we get to horizontally touch other lives. But understand, it only came as a result of him leaving his throne in heaven to come down to earth. So it's his mercy. It's his move. And now it's our response once we know what he's done. <clears throat> that you present... Notice now, here's the action that you present. It's a willful choice on your part. When Paul, Saul, as he was going to Damascus, was confronted with Jesus, and he accepted the Lord and his name was changed from Saul to Paul, he could have went back to his old lifestyle. He didn't have to keep going that way. It was a free will by Paul to do that. You can go back to your lifestyle that you came from. Why would you? But you could. It's a free will. But as you grow in God's grace and knowledge, what is happening? You're excited about continuing in your walk with the Lord. You look back a, a week ago, a year ago, 10 years ago, and you see the progress that you made. Because... You gave yourself, you presented yourself to him. 
Now notice the first thing here, we're going to see two verses tonight, but in this particular verse, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Most of the times, any sacrifice that you ever heard of, what kind of sacrifice was it? Dead. It was dead. Somebody killed it and they put it on an altar. But notice here, in the Christian walk, it's a choice. Like Abraham and Isaac. Remember how Isaac was so willing to go with his dad to Mount Moriah? He trusted his dad. And remember, Abraham was going to sacrifice him and, and kill him with a knife. And the angel of the Lord stopped Abraham. But Isaac was a willing son because he trusted his dad. Didn't understand it fully, but he trusted him. And that's what God wants us to do. He, he asked us to present, to make the choice to be a living sacrifice. And the cool thing about a living sacrifice is it's a daily choice. It's not a one-time choice. When I made this my life verse, I remember before I got out of bed in the morning, I would say these two verses, Lord, today, this day, I want to present to you my body as a living sacrifice. And I used to say that every single morning, especially the time that I was really struggling with habitual sins. It's a choice. It's not automatic. It's a willful choice on your part and my part. And God, because of the Holy Spirit in you, gives you the power to walk the life that he wants you to walk. So to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, when we talk about body, <clears throat> we are talking about you as we see you, but we're also talking about your soul. And we're talking about your spirit. We're talking about your emotions. We're talking about the born-again part of you, your spirit that was dead at birth. When you were confronted with Jesus Christ and the gospel message and you received Christ, your spirit became born again, came back to life. When Adam and Eve were on this earth before they fell, they, their spirit was alive. If they never sinned when they gave birth to their first children, they would have been living, alive, not having that sin nature. But as we saw back in the early parts of Romans, that sin nature was passed down to every human being since Adam and Eve. So our, our spirit is dead, brought to life by God when we receive him as Lord and Savior. So we're presenting our bodies, we're presenting our emotions, we're presenting our spirit to the Lord as a living sacrifice. Holy, remember what holy means, set apart. Lord, I'm yours. I'm not sharing myself with anybody else but you, Lord. Use me any way you want. And as a result of being set apart by the Lord, okay, and receiving Jesus and his blood paying for your sin, you're acceptable to God. The only way you and I can be acceptable to God is by receiving his son as your Lord and Savior. His blood cleanses you. 
You are now righteous in his sight. You're acceptable. Before you received Jesus, you weren't acceptable to him. You were an enemy of his. You were at odds with God. You were in sin. And then Jesus showed you there was another way. And you decided to follow Jesus, to receive his sacrifice for your sins, and now you're acceptable. So this is you right here. You're acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's logical. Nothing else makes sense. For all he's done for you, well, this is what I want to do. I choose to live for God. Lord, what do you want me to do? Show me. And think of the different ways that you have over the years done things for the Lord or over the past few months if you're a new believer. Some of the things that you wouldn't have done before. But because of Christ in you, you see yourself doing other things that you would have never done before Christ came into your heart. Now, think about the importance of being consecrated to the Lord. Think of the importance of being set apart for Jesus Christ in a world that is not set apart for Christ. Our president made a statement that this is no longer a Christian nation. But I got news for you and for him, if he's listening. This whole universe is Christ-centered. Man and women might not recognize it, but when it's all over, it will be a Christ-centered universe. That's the way it's heading. We're heading to the part where Jesus will be in total control of everything and recognized his lordship and his kingship. That day is coming. For all of us. Could happen right now. Right now it could happen. We could be in his presence just like that in a twinkling of an eye, a blink of an eye. Man rejects Christ. His world is not a Christ-centered world. But those of us who have been called and respond to the call... We live in a Christ-centered world. Amen? Right? We're living in a Christ-centered world. Our actions are dictated by His manual, His Word. We're living in His Word. Now, we're not perfect. We still mess up. But that's even more of a reason every day to be a living sacrifice. I want to be set apart. Lord, I blew it a little yesterday. I'm sorry. Today I want to be more holy, more acceptable, more set apart by you. Pour your spirit on me, Lord. Let me not have those thoughts or let me not blow up like I did with my uh, family today or my boss today. Set me apart, Lord. Control that emotional part of me if I have an anger issue or maybe some, any issue. It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever it is, Lord, be Lord over my thoughts today. Be Lord over my actions today. I'm offering you my body today, Lord, my soul, my spirit. And I trust you, Lord. 
Verse 2. And do not, and do not be conformed. There's two sides here. There's a choice. And if you don't know there's a choice, you're probably being conformed. If you don't know there is a light and a darkness, you don't know there's that other side. Understand that we've been born in darkness. We've been born without a living spirit. We live in sin. And then when God shows us himself, then we understand there's light. There's a spiritual side of our existence. And it says here in 2, and do not be conformed. Do not be, conformed means to be molded, to be, uh, you know, put in a mold, to be formed in a certain way. And we live in a world, in a society that's trying to, to conform us, to mold us in a certain way. It's a secular worldview. It's how the world views things. We need to be careful because when you think of it, we're in the world so much that if we don't spend time in God's word and in fellowship with Jesus, it's very easily to be conformed. Um, as most of you know, I've been teaching in a public school for 40 years. This is my 40th year. I'm only 45. <laughs> is that amazing? Like a child prodigy. I just, it's amazing. But just this week, the Lord put on my heart. We have the Fellowship of Christian Athletes Club in school once a week, but the Lord just put on my heart this week. We're going to have it every day. And instead of having it once a week for 25 minutes, we're going to have it every day for about 15 minutes right after school. And one of the reasons was because of studying this verse in preparation for the teaching tonight. Everywhere we go, we can be soiled, right, by the world. And some of the kids in our public schools, they never go to church. They never go to church. The only time they may ever hear about Jesus Christ and what he's done for us might be in that 15-minute meeting. So we open it up every day now for 15 minutes. Please keep that in prayer. The kids that are hurting, maybe they just want to come in just for prayer. Maybe they just come in for a daily devotion. You know, we talked about the um, concert that's this Friday at Old Bridge with the, what is it, the sidewalk prophets, right? And just anything that might, they might want to go to. So we'll see what the Lord does with that. But getting back to it, the reason I did that was because we're so stained by the world, we need to be in God's word. We need to be with God's people. We need to be presented in a position where we can offer our bodies as a living sacrifice and not be conformed to this world system. Remember, the, the Bible shows us that where our war is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers in high places. So those principalities and powers, Satan and his demonic army, are trying to do everything to gain control of your mind and my mind, your body and my body. Now, if we know that as believers in Jesus, Understand that the people who don't know Christ, they don't know that's going on. Maria was in school the, uh, just yesterday or the day before, and there was a girl, a teacher assisting her 
that just started talking about psychics. And when Maria said, well, I don't believe in that stuff, the lady looked at Maria like she had three heads. Like she couldn't understand. What do you mean you don't believe in that? And Maria was talking about how she believed in God and what he said. And she's praying that that's a continuing thing that goes on with this teacher because she felt that she would bring that up again. In the newspapers, they give out at our school on the back page, horoscopes. They have the whole horoscopes for all 12 months, right in our public school. So they'll give all the news and all the sports, and on the back, there's your horoscopes. So the world doesn't know what's going on. They're being conformed. They're being molded. We really have broke the mold, you and I. When we receive Christ, the mold of the world is broken. So we have to make sure that we're not being conformed to this world, but the good news is transformed. And that transform has the word in it, metamorphosis. So like a caterpillar that goes through a transformation becomes a beautiful butterfly. The little, the little acorn becomes transformed into a huge oak tree. That's you and me. Here's our old nature, our sin nature. We receive Christ and we're transformed now into a, a new creature in Christ. Just like that little acorn had all the potential in it, but it was just tiny until it died and went into the ground. It could have never sprouted up into that huge tree. You and I are huge children of God because of what he's put into your spirit by his Holy Spirit. And the only thing that can hold back you and I from achieving everything that God wants for us is us. I tell my team, the biggest obstacle is not the opponent we're playing. It's you. It's the individual. It's you. You're the biggest obstacle in achieving everything God wants for you. So when you get into his word and you're washed daily by the water of the word, you are being transformed. You are being changed into the very image that God is molding you to be. I learned that I need to be brainwashed every day by getting into God's word. Because the mind is filthy. The mind is corrupt. It's a reflection of the heart. And God wants us, he wants to capture our minds and our hearts. So as we take in his word and it's washing our brain, it washes our heart, it starts transforming us from the inside out. Just like the church is being painted inside, it's going to have a new look. It's going to look fresh. It's going to be brighter. It's going to be cleaner. Even though outside, oh, it looks nice. That's cool. But inside, there's things that are happening in you and me. So God wants to do this transformation, and he does it by renewing your mind. As God's word says right here, renewing of your mind. The mind can be so easily influenced. I know some people who won't listen to the old songs because it will trigger 
something of their past that was unpleasant. Or if you think of a, a certain thing, maybe you saw, see a picture of something and right away it triggers like it was yesterday, but it was really 30, 40 years ago. Or 10 years ago. Because it was something that was implanted in your mind and the Lord wants to wash over that. And the cool thing is you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to float on your back on a surfboard for five hours. You can just go into God's Word anytime, any place. And He's made it even easier for us with cell phones and everything. You get a Bible app with a light. You don't even have to hold a flashlight in bed anymore and read your Bible. You can read it right off your phone. The world, the flesh, and the devil is influencing your mind and my mind. We need to be constantly renewed. Now notice, <clears throat> there's going to be an outward action of your mind being renewed. And it's in the last uh, several words of verse 2. That you may prove. See, it's important for me to see in my life God's work. In other words, if I'm practicing a right-hand layup, a right-hand layup, I want to know what's going in. I want to know there's fruit from my efforts. Well, notice here that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, when your mind is being transformed, when it's being renewed, <clears throat> just by your life, there's going to be things that you do as a outgrowth of the things that God's doing in your heart. So just think about that for a minute. What is something that you know that you're doing now that you haven't done in the past, but you know it's a God thing? I always call it a God thing. I know that God is causing that to happen in my heart because I'm doing something now outwardly that I never did before. It's a God thing. He's renewing my mind. He's changing my heart. I'm a new creature. And now here's something I can say, boy, yeah, thank you, Lord. Where in the past, I would have never even thought of that. And what a place to be is in the perfect will of God. To be right where God wants you to be. And I want to encourage you, in closing, that if you're not where God wants you to be now, you know that switch, that, that conforming to the world and being transformed, is just a prayer away. It's just a willful act on your part. Lord, I'm sorry, I want to get back on track. Bang, that's it. He knows your heart. He knows where you are in your emotions, and he knows where you are in your spirit. You might look great to everybody outside. How you doing, brother? Ah, oh, praise the Lord. But inside, you're dying. And it's only a prayer away to get back on that and just put your faith and trust in the Lord again and just walk forward again. Don't get hung up on your emotional part. Understand that Jesus says you're a new creature in Christ. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Just like that. That's our Savior. 
That's our Lord. And it's that simple. It's that easy. He's made it easy because he loves us. He cares for us. He wants us to be able to be that person who can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And it will be outward actions that others will see. And that'll be that horizontal blessing from the vertical dissension of the Lord down as a little child where he came into history, grew into a man, taught for three years, went to a cross and died, went into a grave for three days, rose from the dead, hung around for 40 days, talked to over 500 people. They touched him. They ate with him, saw him ascend into heaven. He said, I'll be back. But until then, I'm going to send you a helper and comforter to come alongside you to help you every day of your life so you can be a living sacrifice. And one day you'll be reunited with me. And then when you see me face to face, you'll know me as I am and you'll understand everything. That's awesome. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word.